0: Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 42. No. Mm. Let's, let's switch that around. It's episode number 24. Yes. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. If you're joining us for the first time, we are a couple from Austin, Texas, uh, who uh, we're getting to know each other better by um, gradually, on this epi- on this podcast, um, sharing some of our favorite uh, movies and television shows from the past, things that the other person hasn't seen, that, and we are now forcing... No, yeah, creating an occasion, and <laughs> for them to um, watch this thing that we need them to see—that yes. you must see, that you should it see, should see. Um, because it'll tell them more about what we love. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um,
1: yeah, it it speaks to one soul what one one likes.
0: Yes, my soul <laughs> feels very spoken to right yes. now. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, we will be, uh, we are, I should mention, we're recording live from um, the Marriott LAX in Los Angeles from the Gallifrey One uh, the 2019
1: <laughs> Doctor Who
0: convention. Um, it is uh, one of the, um, it's the North America's largest Doctor Who convention, I believe. We're in Los Angeles, it's the 30th anniversary, and we will be back um, after our main review this time to um, talk a little, to do a sort of a little shut up and go there kind of episode, because um, Ashley started coming to this because I sort of dragged her Mm -hmm. to it. So we're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be here. So if you're a (laughs) Doctor Who fan, or if you found us uh, from our ribbons, or you're at Gallifrey, um, Gallifrey won this year, then um, stick around um, after the main review, and we will uh, recap what we've seen and explored so far. All right. But we're here to discuss something that I made you watch this time. Yes. So What was it?
1: You chose um, something actually I was familiar with from a different form. Uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the TV show from 1981, which is the year I was born. (laughs) I did. Yes.
0: (laughs) You've never seen any of this before.
1: No, but the thing is, is that, I mean, like, the text is pretty much taken directly from the novel. Um, I am a big fan of the novels. I, let's see, I came across the novels. I was at... Um, In high school This guy's house And I was Because I'm one of those people Who at parties Hides in the corner And looks at the bookshelves And I was looking at his bookshelves And he had the giant Like Compilation of all five Of the Hitchhiker novels Right and he was like, "Really nice." That's not and the
0: one. You didn't steal his copy, right? Is that no, no, the One he, we have on the he shelf. He gave no? it to
1: me. Yes. Oh, he, that is the he one. He let me borrow it. And you ha- whoa, <laughs> it's God. Dustin Bohannon. You have your original <laughs> Hitchhiker's
0: when you first read it in. Yes, book? I do not. Have it's that. Dustin
1: Bohannon's Hitchhiker's Guide that um, I uh, Dustin Bohannon's never got guy. back to him because he was a graduating senior, and I was still. I may have been a sophomore, a freshman, or no, I wasn't freshman. Anyway, I never got it back to him when he left for college, so now it is still in our house 18 years later. Dustin,
0: if you're out there, um, <laughs> we can arrange to ship this back to yeah.
1: you. <laughs> it may be a little worse for the it's wear. It's a little worse for the wear. I've seen
0: it. I've handled <laughs> it. Um, I think, yes, anyway.
1: So, and I also, it was my dad was a big fan. He knew all the jokes from... That's interesting things happening in our shower. You're going to hear some sound (laughs) effects in our
0: hotel room that we just can't control. Uh, Say, the air conditioning (laughs) kicking on or water randomly dripping in our faucet. Yep. Okay, anyway.
1: Uh, So, yeah, I... I have been a big fan of Hitchhikers for a long time, but I actually have not seen any of the video movie remakes of any of it, so I haven't seen the 2005 okay. one.
0: so I didn't know that <laughs> when I chose this first to watch. I didn't realize that you would never... I thought, I actually thought part of this show might be comparing the, um, two, adap- the two main adaptations, which would be, no. I mean, not the radio show, but yeah. the, the film version from a few years back. Uh, But you've never seen that?
1: Nope. Okay, so we're going to talk
0: about (laughs) this on its own merits and um, against the backdrop of Hitchhikers as You Knew It, I
1: guess. So I'm I'm probably going to play the part of the irritating And I don't do this a lot because I do think that film has, like, adaptations of books can be good. Okay. But I am like this particular novel I'm attached to in an emotional way right in a lot of things, so I'm probably gonna play a little bit of the part of like the the novel was okay. better, you well, know
0: well um on those grounds too, <laughs> yeah, I am um, I don't know if you're done, sorry about setting up yeah. where your your approaches or where you're coming from. But um, my connection to Hitchhiker is also through the books. First of all, I but I think I was a little younger when I first stumbled on them. And I'm confession, I've never read all of them. I think I dropped out around So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, Should something think it's like that. The third
1: one, maybe. Um,
0: that's the fourth. Because Life, of the good. Universe, and Everything. That's it's right. Hitchhiker's Restaurant at the End of the Universe. Um, and most uh, Life, the Universe, and Everything. So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Mostly harmless. And then there's something else, isn't there? Maybe. Is there a six Maybe there around? is a sixth one. Um, I'm sure there are people out there who know and can correct us. And, <laughs> um, anyway, um, I think I was about maybe 10 or 11. Well, I have to think about the timing of when the book would have been published. So I'm guessing around 11 years old. And I think I came to it through my mom mm-hmm. first. I don't know how my mom ran across it. But I remember my mom reading the, par- the paperback on... Uh, Christmas, you know, around Christmas, you know, week off from school, you know, Christmas vacation, holiday kind of thing. Everybody around, in in my family, everybody around in their pajamas reading books and stuff like that, catching up on movies, reading books. And my mom was like laughing out loud big time, just, and it's not the usual kind of thing she would read. So I don't know. I'm really confused. I can't, I I don't even know why she had that, but um, I grabbed it when she was done and I read the first one it may have even been that somebody gave it to me first but my Mm. mom picked it up and read it before I got to it I don't know um I hadn't really encountered sci-fi comedy before so I we all loved it I think we passed it around my sister was probably still living with us at that point or again or something and um she's nine years older than me and moved out when I was still kind of a kid but I think she was around and 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 read that as well I'm not sure um, so I experienced the books first of all and then a few years down the line in high school um, I stumbled on the t- this TV ad- ad- adaptation that we're talking about now and then after that I came back around the block to the, to the radio show mm. they were um, out on cassette and records stuff like that I stumbled on them somewhere picked up the audio tapes I used to listen to those all the time so I was really familiar with the audio tape most of the a lot of the same um, vo- actors who did the voice parts in the, in the radio show and the tapes came back? You know, we're hired, yeah. to, you know, Simon Jones to do Arthur Dent for um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, and it was years late, of course, years later that I saw um, the movie version when that came out. And I never really connected to that version of it. Huh. Uh, so I don't know if you're a huge fan of that version, I, it didn't get me in the same way (laughs) i don't know (laughs) there's something there is a lot of the things we talk about have a kind of a nostalgia connection to them and i never i didn't really connect to it 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 had all the same it had most of the same incidents i think it departs in in some big ways Mm. later on um that and all the and all the jokes but by then i don't know it wasn't the hitchhikers that i knew Yeah, yeah yeah so all right
1: um, go for it. Okay, so rip into the rip jugular. Into rip into well, it. Well, I mean, and and I, I, <laughs> I kind of tipped in my hat a little bit about, because like, to me, the book is just such a beautiful encapsulation of, and like, it's able to like capture all those jokes beautifully. And actually, this adaptation did a really good job, I think, of of adapting it for the most part. There are some things that, like, oh, my God, Trillian... And I know she's the original from. Well, the, she's
0: not actually. A, she was recast. Oh, she's, she was. She's a similar voice type, I think, to the radio program.
1: I just I don't but, like the bimbo thing they've got going on. Trillion is supposed to be this really intelligent woman who like instinctually is able to figure out all these technology things, and she's supposed to be and like they, and and she does do that, but that the the voice and the blonde and the breasts everywhere. It just I don't know. Yeah.
0: So we're. <laughs> I think we're smashing our heads against yeah. late 70s, early 80s, British, misogynistic yeah. comedy television. Yeah. You know, we're coming out of the era of Monty Python and Benny Hill and, and some of that. And it kind of leaks into yeah. this in a big way with Trillian. Well, um, but I have to say that, you know, Douglas Adams approved her casting yeah. and actually wanted her to do the part, yeah. I think, and asked her to do the part. So he thinks she's capturing something that he wants.
1: I think, and then, you know, because there's the other part of me that's like, it doesn't matter what you look like or what you sound like, you can still be smart and brainy and, and, and all of those things. So, I mean, like, there's no, well, like... I went to a good friend's wedding, and there was this like knockout, beautiful woman there, and and I, you know, mention it because she was amazing, and and you know, my best friend was like, yeah, and she's a neurosurgeon too, so you know, <laughs> not to not to buy into stereotypes, but her voice was really grating on me, I guess. Yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, Sandra Dickinson's voice. I mean, I hope and believe. You know, I'm sure she's had a, a wonderful <laughs> career, but. Yeah, this, is that actually what it sounds
1: like, or is it, did she just put that on? Well,
0: I think she may have slightly exaggerated mm. her natural voice because no. she a- She thought she asked if I think if um, I was reading a little background about this that if she should do like a British accent, yeah, or and she's American, I think she's originally born in America yeah. and then moved to Britain later, so she's kind of
1: yeah can do both,
0: <laughs> and they wanted her to do the like bimbo American accent, yeah. So she she, kind of has like a
1: Debbie Harry thing going on with the style, which I guess is okay. This
0: is not who we want for this character, but this is, it's really hard to grapple with this is who the creators chose to be this character. And what really worries me, because I totally agree with you about this, it worries me that what if Douglas Adams wasn't going for that empowered character that you're thinking about and instead was going for a joke about a bimbo who happens to be smart. Yeah. You know, which I don't want to believe that.
1: No, yeah, that, that makes but, me
0: But that's she what, is
1: the only female major female she's character. She's the only in the,
0: female character. With, yeah. Um and she isn't stupid. No, no. Even in the television show. Yeah. But we go for terrible stereotype kind of <laughs> things.
1: Um, I think Arthur was perfectly cast. I mean, like he, he looks like your average British man. You know, so so apparently
0: <laughs> Douglas Adams wrote a part of Arthur Dent with Simon Jones in mind like when he first yeah. like wrote the radio scripts yeah. like so some of the backstory is um Douglas Adams went to. College went to Cambridge, yeah. I think it was, with Simon Jones and with the guy who played the original Ford Prefect in the radio show, who was recast for this yeah. television version we're looking at, and one maybe one or two others. So he made some of those connections in his like drunken yeah. college <laughs> network of of doing um, Cambridge comedy footlight kind of stuff, and so he and he had worked with Simon Jones on another show that he, he did with um, Graham Chapman from yeah. Monty Python. They did something that didn't really. I, mean, I don't know if you know if it went past much past a couple of episodes or pilot. I'm sure there's historian, mm-hmm. like TV historians out there who can correct me. But that Simon Jones worked with them a little bit on some of those sketches, too. So he wrote Arthur Dent. So Arthur Dent is Simon Jones. Simon yep. Jones is Arthur Dent. Simon Jones is always the Arthur Dent. What's his name from the, the new version? Bilbo Baggins. Uh, you know Martin Freeman. About? Martin Freeman. He's good. Yeah. He's good. But...
1: He does look like, he also looks like an average British man, he I would does, guess. You but
0: know. <laughs> there's something about Simon Jones' sort of slightly upper class twit kind of yeah. voice and, and peeved, peeved kind of like,
1: oh no, you know, yeah. that kind of
0: upsets. Yeah. He really nails the disgruntled, paranoid, and afraid, but kind of irritated British guy.
1: Yeah. I don't, so, and then I guess when I think about the rest of the casting, um. I don't. Both Ford and Zaphod—they're supposed to be cousins. I feel like in my mind, in my head canon, um, that they were co- kind of like um, you, on the Simpsons. Oh, you're not that familiar with the Simpsons, but like, kind of like traditional, like American-looking dudes. He chose the name Ford Prefect, which because he thought it blended in it's with like a the, car. <laughs> but I just always figured that he would have those sort of like traditional, like stereotypically attractive looks, you know, with, Mm -hmm. like, the, like, people who go skiing on the weekends or something like that. I don't, don't, that's, for me, like, with the high forehead and, you know, and I I figured that him and Zaphod would have, like, some sort of
0: Uh familial,
1: familial, you know.
0: I think I'm more familiar with this television show and the radio show than I am with the books, and so I really, early on, replaced any imagery I had of who these characters were with these guys, Mm, I think. Interesting. Yeah. So, I, I can't go back and remember <laughs> how I ever visualized them. That was so. I was 11 years old. Well,
1: I did a little reading on this, and apparently they did the pilot, the first episode, yeah. and then there was a break because of. I think maybe due to the animation that they had to get done, which I want to talk about as well. Um, but in the first episode, Zaphod has his hair long,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but he had to cut it for a part in between the first episode. Oh, I thought it was Simon Jones. Oh, I thought it was. I thought cuz th- he's obviously wearing a hairpiece. Okay. Throughout the whole thing, I thought it was Zaphod. Uh, I don't know. Maybe anyway. I read I read the same article <laughs> <Okay>. but <laughs> came away with something different. Um well, anyway, his hair d- I don't know. I I I, I actually kind of wonder if they were able to do the two-headed thing well, in the in the new movie at all, you know.
0: Well, it's all just CGI it's as far CGI, as I know. CGI, yeah. Um
1: that's like one of the, the the big drawbacks of of early. That's why we didn't do as many like sci-fi recreations back then because so it's really hard to do some of that. What they, like having
0: two heads. They <laughs> had considered, I think they had considered doing the sticking another guy's head through somehow yeah. and filming it so that, you know, you were close up enough that you it could restricts actually. things. But it didn't really work. I think there may have been a stage adaptation where they did do that mm-hmm. successfully, but it didn't. They quickly move to let's make a servo head with like twelve servo things, you know, to move like so eyes blink and the head moves. That was, it was and kind it's of disturbing. Really it's like a, it's dead, like a head. dead head that's kind of like <laughs> flopping around. <laughs> it's, not, it's not one of the strong. Well, parts. it's
1: it's hard to understand why he would be one of the coolest people in the universe with this dead head. However. <laughs>
0: I really like Mark Wing Davey yeah. performing yeah. the animated, yeah. the live head, the actual actor who's playing is great. I love yeah. him. I think I like the way he talks and the "Hey, baby" and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, he's good. Yeah, yeah. Did you know he's like the um, he's like the chair of the. Um, drama department or something like that at tish new nyu school of the arts now yeah i looked him up he's 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 big shot (laughs) but um so it's interesting though how you feel so protective of the books yeah because this has the weirdest evolution in genesis i mean it was a radio show first
1: that's not what i read
0: it was a radio show first huh the first season, maybe the first two seasons of the radio show came came out, and then uh, the first book. Okay. The book was an adaptation of the radio show. Okay. And so by the time this came out, I think you had the first radio show, the first season of the radio show. You had the f- you might have had the first and second radio seasons. Mm. You had the first book had just come out, and so then this was this was actually I think the fifth iteration already because yeah. <laughs> there were some other things along the way. I don't know if there had already been a stage adaptation or something like that. Well I'm surprised so,
1: I didn't know that because I mean like one thing that maybe this hasn't come up, but one of my like and and like there aren't conferences about this, maybe there are. I there have like are. I mean like I listened to public radio from yeah. the time I was like 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 you were ten when you first read this. I I was a public radio nerd, and I would listen to any radio station that came on. I love audio recordings of stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is why probably why we do podcasts. Yeah, now. but this aired
0: on BBC yeah. in the in nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty.
1: Well, I just you know I, that's like one of the things I sh- I really should go back and listen to it because like I really do enjoy some of those like sci fi. Serial, and there's one that 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 is related. It's like Ruby. Yeah. I can't remember anyway. That sure. I listened to once. And there was, used to be this fascinating program called, like, Sounds from the Third Millennium that played all sorts of, like, sci-fi-related... told me about this before. Which and I can't find any evidence it. of. But I swear to you, this is not a fever dream. We used to dream. geek out
0: about radio things that yeah. we liked. And I'd say, have you ever heard yeah. Joe Frank work in progress? <laughs> yes, and, yes, and
1: we need to listen to more yeah. because it's, like, right up my alley. But I love any sort of, like, stories told over audio. Monologues, stories,
0: yeah. sound effects.
1: I think I'm just a really audio-related person, yeah. you know, so... Anyway, um, so the animation was cool. So <laughs> I really like it. I mean, I love like- <laughs> the
0: animation. Because they I think could, it's really good for TV you,
1: for eighty one too. Well, did you read?
0: Did you read that it wasn't actually it wasn't computer animation? Yeah. It looks like old style computer mm, animation. It does. You know, generating the the pictures and images and pages that you would see the diagrams yeah. in the Hitchhiker's Guide. But it's actually hand drawn animation yeah. meant to look like computer animation. It won an award no. at the BAFTAs, I think. Yeah, or, it did. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, actually, I think the show won lots of awards. I mean, yeah. not necessarily at the BAFTAs, but. Um,
1: yeah it so won.
0: but this weird, complicated history of how it came about is that is like the books where Douglas Adams got a chance to really like really develop the material and create like the book series that you yeah. love came after this, most of it came after this, so it's like <laughs> a work that exists in so many different forms. it's like the original transmedia, yeah, something or other, you know? interesting.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I mean, to me, it's an incredible piece of literature, just in general, in whatever format it takes, because the social commentary there, the prediction of how the world is going to be and I mean, like, it feels, it still feels modern. It doesn't feel, I mean, well, (laughs) the TV show feels a little not dated, but you know, the the, the subject matter seems timeless, and...
0: Um, okay, well, I want to put you on the spot for a second. Yeah. We're 20 minutes into the show. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us a, just a thumbnail of, like, who we've mentioned the names, but if somebody out there doesn't know Hitchhiker's Guide at all, what is this the story of? Like uh, in a couple yeah. of lines. Who is it? What happens?
1: So we uh, close up on Arthur Dent, um, <laughs> who's getting ready in the morning, and he looks out his window, and there is a bulldozer in front of his house, and they're about to knock down his house. Um, because they're going to build a bypass, um, you know, to get to somewhere, you know, they're, they're, because bypasses. because bypasses have to be built and, you know, he tries to explain he didn't know about this and they're like, well, the paperwork's been filed for months. Um, and then in the meantime, while he's fighting these people who are trying to knock down his house, um, on the bigger stage, his his best friend, Ford Prefect, who he's known for eight years or something like that, turns out he's not human. He's actually an alien visiting from... Or he's he's an editor of the Hitchhiker's yeah, Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, what's he doing? What's his job? Why is he yeah, doing? he's an editor of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one of the mm-hmm. most incredible books of all time. And, and he's
0: revising the entry on Earth.
1: Yes, and he knows that... Um, s- Parallel Lee... <laughs> Um, In parallel, uh, there is an alien spaceship outside of Earth's orbit um, that is going to bulldoze the Earth in order to build an interspatial bypass as well, Mm -hmm. because bypasses have to be built. So um, he grabs Arthur, and they jump on this Vogon ship, and that starts the thing, and the Earth is destroyed, and um, then they go off into the
0: magical voids of space and find themselves all mixed up in the quest to find the answer to uh, life, life, the, the universe, universe, and everything—or everything. rather, the yes. question.
1: Well, first the answer, <laughs> first and the answer, and then, then, the, then question. the question. Yes. Um. So, so we learn that the history of the Earth is that it was a computer designed to find the question by mice. Yes, by mice, <laughs> which the are Mac the Mac second yeah. second smart. No, no, the dolphins are the second smartest thing on Earth. Yes, the mice are the most. Mm-hmm. intelligent things on earth um, it turns
0: out that all the uh dolphins jumping through hoops and making chittering noises was was them trying to warn us that the earth was doomed and that yeah. we better get off the planet <laughs> but unfortunately we just gave them snacks instead and
1: um anyway this it's packed with with fantastic jokes about about existence and um and Sadly, you know one of the, my favorite jokes in the whole book and the whole it was probably in the radio program as well is not included in the TV version, which is. Oh, now I want to know. Well, you know, so after the mice have determined that yeah. they can't get Arthur Dent, Arthur Dent was the only human left.
0: He has on, an imprint on the of, time
1: at the time that the yeah. Earth was destroyed, and the Earth was about to get the question that they've been waiting all these generations, millions for. of years. So the mice want to take Arthur and. Remove his brain and get the an- get mm-hmm. the question it 's from-
0: imprinted on there because he was part of the earth
1: well, Arthur manages to escape um, as our heroes often do, and um so as the mice are trying because they've they 've got to report out what the question is to their their home world and um so they just frantically start thinking of questions that it might be and and um, they ultimately land on how many roads must a man walk down, <laughs> um, which uh, Bob Dylan's song. Um, I, ju- I just I think like that's were...
0: <laughs> when, when Arthur says it could just be what is six times seven, and everybody kind of stops and thinks about yeah. it for a minute, like, "Whoa, yeah." <laughs> no, it's not what is it's six times seven.
1: So um, anyway, I I enjoyed it, but like I I don't know I. I didn't feel like it was necessary, because, mm-hmm. you know, I I got everything I needed from from the book, and I, I had developed a, a pretty intense headcanon, and, mm-hmm. you know, as if, you know...
0: So, here this comes all these years later, because you're encountering it so many years later, and you're like, I don't need this to replace yeah, yeah. what <laughs> I already have of this. That's right. right.
1: Well, and I think that that is maybe... I think maybe I'm going to make a, a general theory here. Okay. If you come across something in text form when you're young,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and you really connect to it, and you're emotionally involved in it, and I'll use Like it. Doctor Who?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's not text form. No. I mean. Uh, oh,
0: you actually meant. Like, like a, in a book. book so, okay. I
1: mean, I'll use the example um, interview with the vampire, when I, mm-hmm. which I read when I was 13, you know. Okay. You know, which actually, oddly, I came to because, but like, like, if you read the book, you'll come up with your imagination of what the characters look like, and then they make a movie of it, and you think it might be good because they're bringing attention to this thing that you loved when you were a kid, and then they just do it wrong, Mm -hmm. you know. But I don't really have that now. Like, now I read a book, like Game of Thrones... And I have a head canon, but it doesn't really upset me all that much. But Do it does mean?
0: upset a lot of people. I, I, I mean, like if a they, lot of unfortunately, a lot of fan culture yeah. is governed by like uber fans who've encountered who feel they own the work, yeah. and then feel like it's been destroyed when it's adapted in the wrong way.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I know. So it's funny. I have a lot of theories about this, but I, you know, since we did Alfonso Cuaron's uh, movie last time. Um, he did the adaptation of the third Harry Potter book. Right. Um, which to me as, and, Is and it I,
0: Azkaban to,
1: Yeah, I've read all of the Harry Potters. Yeah. I enjoy them. I'm not emotionally like invested in them. Mm-hmm. I really liked them. I, I thought that they were very entertaining. Um, but to me that, that third one was the best movie, <laughs> you know, maybe it wasn't the best adaptation of the third book, but right. it was a really good movie. Um,
0: It was a film that works as a film. Yeah,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I just thought it was... It pulled in. It it got darker. It pulled in a lot of those, Mm -hmm. like, more contrasty, interesting things. Anyway, so...
0: Well, I had a different (laughs) experience, you know, watching this again. I don't think I've seen this since I was probably 15 or 16 years old when I first encountered on PBS, you know, and I'm still kind of exploring Hitchhiker for, for the first time. And coming back to it, I had since... Back then, still, I had listened to those tapes, the radio yeah. through all the way on road trips and all kinds of situations for for a couple of years. Probably, yeah. I knew all of that stuff like the back of my hand. So now, all this time later, coming back to the show, it felt a little flat to me. Yeah, it didn't. It also didn't have the magic that I I thought it was going to have. I mm. enjoyed seeing it again, but there. There, I, I was constantly aware, aware of like, oh, I know what the next joke is going to be. Yeah. I know what the next thing is. And like intellectually, I was amused, but yeah. I wasn't really it wasn't creating the same pleasure or the same. I wasn't it wasn't giving me the laughs it should have yeah. th- in a way like I knew it too well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it, I almost experienced it entirely as nostalgia without yeah. actually being able to reconnect to the joy that it once brought. So that's kind of a totally different thing. Because I used to be, I I was never, I will say, I was never attached to this television version. I was probably more attached to the radio program out of all of these things, which is weird, (laughs) I guess. Well,
1: but that allows you, I mean, and as it is with sci-fi, it's really hard, unless you have a lot of money to spend on CGI effects, it's really hard to make the visuals that are... You know, implied well, in the radio program or implied in the book. Yeah. Real on screen. But I feel
0: a slightly <laughs> different way about that yeah. because the the new the the movie version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy had the budget to give you yeah. the effects. I mean they look pretty good. I mean it's not mm-hmm. the best of the best, but you know, they, they it has competent CGI yeah. and they they have a budget to be able to recreate these worlds and stuff. And like I felt like I don't need to see this looking like Star Wars or you know that realistic to me I actually one of the things I do like about the television show is that it may be really good production design for British television in 1980 but I kind of like the shoddiness and the kind of like I I don't don't, know
1: it it doesn't so having watched older episodes of Doctor Who from that time period I find them a lot more engaging visually
0: because you
1: have I mean like and you know just as an example they are shooting you know they have to make it look like a maze of hallways, but they only have one hallway to work and they with. they just have to keep, So they have to change yeah. the angle all the time, you know? Yeah. And I feel like this was shocking. well, And they're
0: dismantling flats <laughs> yeah. and moving parts of the wall so they can run the other way. I don't
1: feel like they had to do as much ingenuity with this, so yeah. it doesn't feel as alive and, and three-dimensional. And, yeah.
0: Well, there's sort of a, a patch-together... Low budgetish feel to this that I actually like. Yeah. Um, in a way that I didn't like the big budget movie version. Yeah. Now one of the things that I looks did too
1: smooth or something. It,
0: well, it's like I don't know. I get the pleasure of the. I get the joke and I get the experience and the absurdity of the humor in 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 this simple way. I don't mm-hmm. need it to be overshadowed with loud explosions yeah. and effects and like things. You know what I mean? Yeah. The visual, it's distracting. Yeah. It actually takes away from. From the wonderful humor mm-hmm. of the premise, yeah, and 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 the situations that they're in.
1: Well, and I think that that is. Do the you power. need to see a
0: realistic whale? That's, that's flat, the power of you know? radio:
1: is that you can have a scene playing out, and then have a narrator come in, mm-hmm. and then to explain something, and then go away again, and the scene continues. That's harder to do in a movie. It's weird if you like have something happening and then you have to stop and explain what a babble fish is and then the narrator goes away again and then this, I don't know, it's easier to do that. It makes more sense in an audio aspect or in a yeah. novel sort of narrative rather than... Visually it's speaking. so natural in the yeah. in the radio
0: program and in the um, the television show, and I love the voice of the book in the yeah. TV show.
1: Well, I I think they did a really good job with the with the hitchhikers parts. I just you know that's that's with the entries. Yeah, they're yeah. they're fantastic, you know, and it really does feel they're
0: like, little short films. They're yeah. little comic <laughs> gags.
1: I wish my iPad was like that. <laughs> 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 I wish my iPad had sarcastic, sarcastic entries.
0: <laughs> so what if anything in this version other than the animation and the voice of the book works for you are there some are there any scenes or incidents that you liked what they did with or that stood out more for you than others <laughs> <laughs> she really didn't like this so much i don't think i uh,
1: i just i just keep coming back to like it's it's neat it's nice I just, I don't feel like it's necessary <laughs> for yeah. me, you know, I just, and I, again, I I just think my headcanon is just so strong in this, in this that I can't, you know.
0: Even characterization? Well, like, it's like,
1: rip- it's hard to watch because like, I know exactly what's happening and I yeah. know the beats and I know the jokes and you know, it's. It's like uh, see,
0: at, <laughs> at, at the same time, I, d- I
1: did like Slarty Bardfast Pat- okay. a lot. I want to say like
0: this is Slarty Bardfast. Uh, this is my Marvin. This yeah. is the voice of Marvin I've always known. Uh,
1: see, I, I I think he was not. I think he needed to be a little bit more sarcastic. You know, uh, he was just... This um, is Marvin. That's the original <laughs> Marvin, man.
0: It's just not your Marvin.
1: <laughs> you have a Marvin. I have a Marvin. <laughs> you have a Marvin and I have a
0: Marvin. Um,
1: I, sh- I do like the doors. That do was you know amazing. That, <laughs> do
0: you know that in the... <laughs> the happy
1: doors? Bill Nye
0: played Slarty Bartfast in the yeah. film.
1: Yeah. And
0: so some of these casting things... and. Let me say, Zoe Deschanel makes a much better trillion.
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Than Sandra Dickinson, did, in my mind. Although, Zoe Deschanel would not work in this television version. No, like, I think she should be way of... too young. Yeah, I'm not even sure if she was born yet, to be honest. I guess she probably would have been. All right. So, any, any final thoughts on uh, um Hitchcock? I think Slardy
1: Bartfast is a... Is a um... Is a champion name. It's just it, it should should exist in the world. I heard more somebody often. say it during a panel yeah. yesterday.
0: Like it's it comes just, up all the time. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> the season of Doctor <laughs> Who has references to the fjords of Norway and the fiddly bits, you know, yeah, which and the is fiddly all the slarty yeah. Um
1: Well, so I guess one thing, and it it ties back to that. But like, I having read the books, like there's scenes that I remember, like the happy doors, you know, which like. Yeah. I feel like because I have read the books, I like underst- I don't know what it would be like if someone had never come across this before and was listening mm-hmm. to it the first time, but like there's like this part where they ta- where Marvin is like you know just trying to get enough will to walk somebody from the back of the ship to the front of right. the ship, and like every time he goes through one of these doors that's happy and it's like it's in his face that he's miserable, and he just like has this like world like ending sigh every time he has to walk through those doors and like I feel like that sort of thing like you wouldn't necessarily pick up if if you hadn't you know read the the thing you know
0: oh I do (laughs) want to talk a little bit I mean this may be a little spoilery depending on what we talk about about uh, I was really worried about how I couldn't remember how this was going to end yeah what did you think of the way they ended
1: So they went a little bit into the next book, I think.
0: Well, they definitely had the restaurant. Yeah, which I
1: don't think, I think that's where it ends in the, um, well, and it even has them back on Earth, too, with the middle managers.
0: Yeah. So I actually (laughs) like, I really liked that last episode. Where um, they've ended up on the ship with the Golga Finchans, who are basically a bunch of middle managers and. and, and And Hair
1: hair, hair stylists. Hair
0: stylists and um, telephone uh, Uh,
1: operators, Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a little
1: dated, I guess. All the people in, in
0: society that they just wanted to push out, like yeah. all you annoying sort of middle of the road people, bland marketing people, yeah. and people doing surveys about surveys and yeah. stuff like that. They are great, and yeah. I love Aubrey Morris, the guy, the actual the captain with who, with yeah. the rubber ducky in the bathtub, who's just continuously taking baths over and over. And they end up um, at the dawn of of Earth, and the computer yeah. program back in time again with the you know Earth. The Earth, program yeah. from the beginning, from the Neanderthal days, yeah. um, and it's going to be the Golga Finchens that start up society and and end up, you know.
1: Yeah. That's, well, that's and really, inter- they
0: can't do anything. They haven't even figured out how to light a fire. They're doing yeah. research studies and marketing evaluations. <laughs> I love all that. It's well, And
1: I love when Ar- Arthur realizes that this is the future of humankind, that the uh-huh. whole experiment was messed up because these middle managers came along, totally messed up the system, and then the Neanderthals die out, as as we know, historically yeah. speaking. So we are the the uh, the ancestors of the middle managers
0: Well, and so for this being the television show, this is the only season they ever made. Yeah. It actually kind of works as an ending to the story. Yeah. Without any of the other four or five books or whatever. So It kind of worked. And I didn't think there was any way that it couldn't end like abruptly and want you... I have
1: to say that was my favorite part. And Mm -hmm. it's because I've read the first book multiple times where I've only read the second book and yeah I can, like once maybe I can't so. get
0: much pleasure yeah. anymore about the opening segment with the house being demolished no. and stuff because i've i know it too well yeah
1: yeah it's so never
0: that's... it's never it can never be as funny as it was the first time
1: but yeah the the ending was like watching a different thing because yeah. i i'm not as familiar with that part i have vague memories of it but the first book i've read multiple times so, yeah yeah so gallifrey so
0: gallifrey can you tell me about gallifrey
1: um, I feel like maybe we should um uh give them some background on um us as a who couple
0: okay <laughs> who knows
1: uh so I'm a newbie i started new series wa- started watching on like when I was binging Netflix and when they first put on the new so it was probably not till twenty ten maybe that i so if the old, if the new series started in two thousand five it probably all the tenant ones were on mm-hmm. on Netflix at the time, so i streamed I started with Eccleston
0: mm-hmm.
1: streamed all those, and immediately became a big fan <laughs> i like i I feel like I need to tell the story because I had no contacts for Doctor Who. I just yeah. heard that it was good um I didn't actually know you at the time, so I just Same. started playing it and um you know got through the first season, and at the end of the first season like the lead character all of a sudden changed into a different person, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> so that was very confusing um, so because managed... I had no context. But you for always that.
0: read about everything on the internet. You never had you had never encountered the fact no, that the doctor regenerates. When... I,
1: I don't think you understand like how little I had to do in my life. So okay. like I really just binge TV shows a okay. lot, okay. you know. So. Um, uh,
0: so you I'm ha- a lot
1: more interesting person now. I don't just watch TV all the time. You so know, I you, do other things too now. <laughs> you
0: had the same experience miraculously <laughs> that viewers in 1964, 1960, whatever it was, nineteen sixty-six, yeah. when the first doctor regenerated and turned yeah. into Patrick Troughton. Yeah. What the crap is going I on? I know,
1: what what the crap is going on? Um so and then David Tennant, who's my doctor, um Who I loved, and I, you know, I I have a sonic screwdriver, although it is the Matt Smith screwdriver, it is not, and it's the actual screwdriver. Should get a sonic screwdriver. So, and a Dalek, because I'm a giant Dalek fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that's my that's my creature. They were they were very terrifying. They were very terrifying at first, and now I just I love them even when they're scary. so. Um, and um, I had those at my office, and. Dave and I started working on work projects together, and I guess that's when you noticed I that know. I had Who memorabilia on my desk.
0: I guess so. I can't, I don't, I've all. I mean, for a while, I don't know when I started to reveal how much of a Doctor Who fan I actually was. You
1: mentioned it the first okay. time, and you noticed that well, I, I have my Night veil vale cup with my sonic screwdriver in it. It's a bit more it.
0: okay to be a huge <laughs> Doctor Who nerd now than yeah. it was, like, in high school. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: I think you were super excited when you saw it. That's I was very you know, you excited. You had to have you, me.
0: You had a sonic screwdriver <laughs> that was actually a screwdriver.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Which I thought was awesome because I hadn't encountered that particular one before.
1: It also makes noise. And it makes the noise.
0: <laughs> and you had a Dalek. Yes. Um, so my connection to Blue Doctor... Dolly. Yes. <laughs> so my connection to Doctor Who is I started with Tom Baker reruns at my uncle's house in Denver, Colorado. Early 80s. Um... I didn't know anything about Doctor Who. He was just binge watching it. They yeah. were doing a, uh, they were showing the series on a, you know, morning on PBS in Denver, Colorado, and um, I was there in the room, and I got completely sucked in. And I remember it was um, Tom Baker's last season, and so my first ever Doctor Who stories were the Leisure Hive and Meglos, and we like those couple of days, we worked our way all the way through up. To the beginning of Logopolis, which was the Tom Baker's last story where he regenerates. And I didn't see the regeneration, so I didn't get to that then. But I was like, this is amazing. So that's my season. Yeah. And that's my first Doctor. And um, just, I think it was maybe another year or two before I found it or stumbled on it on PBS. I didn't go looking for it. Like, I didn't think I could watch it. I didn't think it...
1: Well, it's yeah. the technology of the time. And I don't,
0: We <laughs> didn't have it in... San, I grew up in San Francisco... And we didn't have it, I don't think, on our local PBS channel. Somehow, someway, 15 years old, 14 years old, I stumbled on it on my crappy little TV in my bedroom on Channel 54, KTEH in San Jose, which I had a really bad picture, fuzzy picture of coming in and everything. Um, and then they were like a Who station. They were a full-on sci-fi, mm. British sci-fi station.
1: Interesting.
0: So um, I watched... They they did they ran things concurrently every night they had an epis an old an old single one off episode mm. and they were working their way from the first doctor all the way through
1: mm. and then
0: Saturday nights they would show a whole story a four a four parter okay, a six parter and so they would do like so they would be doing. Tom Baker on Saturday nights all the way through, story, you know, each week a new story, but they'd also be running, you know, the entire series from the beginning, you know, through on the, so I just, like, I was just there, and I was already, like, a complete, like, video collector VHS nut, you know, with, like, two VCRs, I don't know why we had two VCRs, I had multiple households, whatever, um, but, you know... I was recording everything. I knew how to use my VHS recorder. Mm. A lot of people joke that they never could figure it out, but I recorded all that stuff. I had boxes and boxes of these Doctor Who tapes. That was it. I was hooked. I was a nerd. I got Doctor Who magazine, I got Doctor Who books. I went to my first convention probably in the mid to late 80s, around mm. you know high school years again. They used to have them in San Jose, and it was you know connected, I think, to the television station.
1: There's a big history of sci-fi so conventions in we are, that area.
0: There are. Yeah. Actually, my first sci-fi con, it's funny we're talking about not even about this conference, <laughs> but my first convention was, I think, um, one of the creation conventions. Like a, My friend, who was a Star Trek fan, yeah. took me to go to the Star Trek convention and I was like okay that's cool Star Trek but um they had uh Blake 7 and Doctor Who people there. Yeah. I met Terry Nation the creator of the Daleks. I met um Paul Darrow who played Avon from Blake 7 and um Michael Keating is that his name? Uh, um also from Blake 7 and uh and I I was a nut, You know. Ooh. And and then Doctor Who ended. Yeah. In, and I went off to college and I think briefly my sister kept recording some of the new Doctor <laughs> Who like they were just yeah. finishing up showing Sylvester McCoy in repeats or whatever and so and I don't think I even made it through those last couple yeah. of episodes I went on I moved on I evolved I thought I was done with Doctor Who and um, went about my life and I don't even remember how I came back to it
1: hmm.
0: you know there were the wilderness years where there yeah. was no Doctor Who it was cancelled it was off the air forever and then um, we had the Paul McGann movie, mm-hmm. which I, I remember getting excited about. And then it wasn't, very, and then it wasn't very good. We went on Sorry, a tour folks. of
1: Chinatown in San Francisco, and he mentioned there, there were some scenes.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I, or something. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure they actually did shoot in San Francisco. Oh, okay, right. but, you but you mentioned. I mean, it takes place in <laughs> yeah. San Francisco. And uh, so I'm definitely more of a classic Who person. I've watched the entire new series now. Mm. But when it started...
1: Which I can't even claim.
0: With Christopher <laughs> with Christopher Eccleston,
1: yeah.
0: um, 2005, or whatever, yeah. when it came back, I now had an infant. You know, mm. my first child was born, Fiona was born, um, one years old. And so I'm, I watched the first few episodes, the first few stories of Eccleston, and then kind of dropped out during mm. the, like, you know, working full time and raising, then two kids, two mm. little kids, two toddlers, and all that. So... It was a number of years before I came back and and now my kids were sort of 5 7 years old and then I went back and watched all the all the stuff. Yeah. And I've been continuously watching ever since. Well, I
1: still yeah, I I I will admit that I uh I dropped out of uh Matt Smith for a while and didn't come back until the later part of Capaldi, so I missed a couple years in the in in there too, so
0: so I talk to me. I was
1: mourning Amy Pond. Is, is oh, my is my excuse? So I'm sorry about <laughs> that's that. That's okay. <laughs>
0: so tell us about what is it like to be the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention in Los Angeles meets once a year. It's the 30th anniversary. It's been going for 30 years. What is it like to be here for like someone who's never been to a sci-fi convention before? What is this one like?
1: Um, I I I mean, like it's interesting because it's all focused on one particular thing. Yeah, you know. Which, like, I'm familiar with and I know, but there's people here that have this, like, vast encyclopedic knowledge and they've been watching since they were your age or, are you know, there's some people who are older than you that have, you know, been watching since they were, you know, much younger. And um, it's kind of intimidating as a new person, although I have to say, I feel like, and this is probably the trend, that it's it's trending younger because of the yeah. new series. And so here... This especially this one, I'm noticing that there's a lot more people on panels that are, well, even younger than me, uh-huh. um, that are um, completely familiar with the new series, sure. but not as familiar with the older stuff. You know, yeah. um, I think we were on a, we went to a game show last night, and there was a couple there where there was a a girl who had just gotten into it, and her um, uh, husband or, or or boyfriend or whatever, um, like it feels like he was. He started watching the new series and maybe had gone back and watched some of the older stuff, but they were definitely younger than me. So, you know, um, I feel like the trend is going to be towards, so that makes me feel a little better. Wait, old Hoovians
0: are not dying out. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) But I, it's exciting to see it revived that way. And then I don't feel as much like an imposter who doesn't know what's going on and, you know, um... There's a lot of like exciting stuff talking about like gender and race and
0: Well tell um, me about the the panel you went to yesterday. So
1: we we went to I went to, and I guess they did this last year but I missed it. I, last time I did a lot of I just followed Dave around and did all his events which is really great way to get introduced in some of the older stuff. Yeah. Um we had um, <laughs> uh, Ace last year. And we had
0: the Seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, and companion Ace, He was Sophie, great. Sophie Aldred, his companion. Yeah.
1: So, so I went to a lot more of those sorts of things. Yeah. So, which gave me a good, a better understanding of some of the old stuff. And then we through the year have watched some more of the old stuff. Um, I liked the was it a Peter Davidson mm-hmm. one that we watched with the M C Escher. Thing. Yeah, and that was
0: actually <laughs> shot right around the same time as the Hitchhiker's TV show. Oh, okay. And it is the same composer who did the music. Interesting. You pointed that we out. We were watching <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. I was like, this sounds exactly <laughs> like the Castrovalva music. Yeah, Castrovalva. And that's I some- looked it up. It's Patty Kingsley. I was link. making
1: inappropriate jokes about Castrovalva, so.
0: Okay. It's true. Anyway, it really was the same composer. Yeah. Sorry. sorry no, that's okay. I'm just satisfying so those Wikipedia I, things. So this
1: time, um, so we don't have Dave's girls' with us this time they were with us last time so I didn't know what to do last time so I just kind of followed and yeah. I'm glad I did because it gave me a good introduction to sort of all the concept um we had some uh, with Stephen Moffat last year too yeah. um so I mean that was I got old and new going on there so this time I'm kind of like instead of spending quite so much time in program a I'm going into a lot of the side stuff mm-hmm. um so I, I went to the color separation overlay, which uh-huh. is, this is the third iteration that they've done. They've I done a panel. I've never
0: been able to make it to that one. Um, it's not the kind of thing I would take the girls to. They, yeah, bare, they <laughs> total, totally lost interest in anything. In Doctor Who, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, well, in panels, and yeah. sitting, sitting there. And if even the actor standing there telling anecdotes isn't interesting to yeah, them anymore, then, then they're not going to sit there for a discussion of race in uh, Doctor Who.
1: Um, it was it was really it's a discussion of diversity um, in particular people of color but also wider you know angles of diversity uh, queer women you Mm -hmm. know all that all that sort of thing so I really enjoyed that panel this is something that I think I hope that the world is becoming more passionate about but certainly I have become more passionate about in the past four or five years well really two if we're gonna (laughs) Uh get political but I just um, I'm really interested in this and I want to you know find ways that we can support it I think representation is super important so they it was just a really great discussion of how encouraged they are by how diverse the this particularly the newest season has gotten they've got a lot of diversity in front of the camera and just as importantly they've got a lot of diversity behind the camera and and like there was one fantastic panelist who I think she she's at Black TARDIS is her Twitter. Um,
0: oh yeah, I saw she's some of her. She's great. Yeah. Um,
1: but she just she was like, you know, you can have representation on screen but if it's not backed up by writing mm-hmm of people who understand what it's like to be that character in situations. So she was talking about how Martha, like she was in these situations where the intersectionality of her being both female and black in that like 18, whatevers as a maid, that mm-hmm. sort of intersectionality and what that would look like for her. Um, you know, she like, she's like, I watched this and I know like she would not be having a very good time, yeah. you know, as a maid in the 1800s as a black woman, mm-hmm. you know, and like, like, you know, fast forward to this season where you have, you know, you know, black women in the writer's room, you have directors of color, all that sort of thing. And you can see that people really talk about what it's like to actually be a black person in that situation. So they use the Rosa example and the great Mm -hmm. conversation that they had.
0: The episode about Rosa Parks this season. Yeah. Um, That,
1: that, that, that was just, it was really good to see that, that people knew that the, what the mm-hmm. experience was like, you know. So people wrote it well, and then the actors, you know. It's, so anyway, and then the other interesting thing is like um, the moderator is East Asian, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how there are no East Asian representations. They still don't
0: have representation. Yeah, in, in, yeah, yeah. So
1: it's they were, you know, very encouraged by how things are, but you know, looking for for things to push and be further in. I don't know. So it's I it's say- good. They're really excited about. Yeah, you know how, and I am too. How, how, you know, just I don't know. <laughs> I always
0: hope that the kinds of conversations at this level that go on at a convention like this, where production folks who are attached to the series, writers, directors, actually come, that some of it's going to trickle back in as they go back to work, <laughs> yeah. you know, to work on the next series yeah. and stuff like that. Um, we had where there's a me who um, yeah me too. Which, Uh, and
1: we were at uh, that fantastic panel panel last time where they, somebody just asked a question. It was a bunch of female directors and um, who people. And I think somebody just asked a question about, maybe it was the moderator, about what it was like to be a female who worked in the entertainment industry. And it turned into this like beautiful, um, where everybody talked about the first time they felt discriminated against Mm -hmm. in the industry and, you know, these unpleasant experiences they'd had as women working in the industry and it just turned into this beautiful um so that was fantastic so this i hope is a continuation. and they've
0: actually set aside now a panel devoted to this kind of exploration and to continue the conversation i think that came up last year and that's one of our highlights of the day that we're going to today
1: yeah
0: but um and for me just being the eternal geek boy (laughs) I love all the behind the scenes I love all the production stories I love encountering the actors from the classic series I love to go off and do a photo op you know um, there are people here who I'm excited about meeting um I get to have coffee with Jamie Childs, the director of four episodes of Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor series. Um, I was lucky enough to get on the list for the coffee clatch. So it's me in a boardroom with 11 other fans and Jamie Childs and just have his ear and get to chat and hang out for a while. Um, So I'm really excited about that. That's in about two hours from now. Did Actually, he also
1: work on George? I mean, uh, Brad's church as well.
0: Um, I don't think so. Okay, I'm, I was just wondering because I cause the, can't state that for a fact. I didn't see it in his credits when I like glanced.
1: Well, some quickly. of the the.
0: I can ask. No, you not know, it's ask.
1: interesting that I don't know that dynamic between director and showrunner, and yeah, you know, because. I don't know. To me, there's a lot of imagery that's similar between Broadchurch and which, of course, there would be because we've got the same showrunner. But I just wonder, like, if there's some amount of like, you know, we need we need yellow sunlight here or something like that, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Exactly. Um, So. Beyond the – I guess the other thing about this experience this time with the girls not being with us is we're actually finally taking advantage of some of the uh, more uh, uh, grown-up-oriented events, the quiz shows, the karaoke, drinks at night, bar con, um, the sort of after hours – parties and panels and stuff and it's been it's been really fun i think we, we went to um paul cornell's one of paul cornell's uh, game shows last yeah. night um one that you almost signed us up for
1: yes i was i think it. Was but really i was fun. a little
0: not ready for that <laughs> <laughs> having now i have to i have to know what i'm dealing with and yeah. maybe now having seen that i would sign up next okay. time okay. but uh i was like i don't i don't think i'm we're at i'm ready
1: Yeah. Ready for that. Well, I think that um, he underplays his uh, expertise and knowledge of these things because I am uh, constantly impressed by the uh, depth of uh, who knowledge that you have because, you know, mine is
0: well but it's lacking. just there organically from <laughs> yeah. years of, yeah. it's, it's not like I ever sat down and read yeah. like the book or anything like the yeah, book the book, no it's <laughs> it's because I've been absorbing it and been a fan for well, so well I don't years. think
1: of it I mean like maybe I, we didn't go to the academia thing there are people who like study it like yeah, research so but I think it's an academic the majority, track
0: this year majority
1: of people don't experience things that way they uh, they go to conferences and you know that's yes, sort of. what i found on the
0: web why did siri is now talking to us for no apparent Don't reason talk to
1: siri okay in an australian or
0: new zealand accent she's too. new zealand okay yeah um i think we have to go because we have about five minutes and i need to run downstairs why did the lights just go out
1: it's a uh, motion sensor. okay
0: boy it's really interesting recording away <laughs> from home uh, on the road this time but uh, I have a panel on uh, re- reconstructing uh, the lost episodes of Doctor Who. All the stuff that the BBC decided to throw out, dump, Yum. erase, wipe, and uh, which uh, devoted fans and folks, um, uh, film restorers and such, are scouring the world trying to yeah. find and recreate with animation um, picture to go along with the audio tracks that they have for okay. some of these episodes. So true geekiness.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go see what the marketing manager of uh, Doctor Who. Has, has to say, so Russell... See, that's I yeah. want to go to
0: that, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so if uh, if you have ever... If you've never been to a sci-fi convention of any kind, or if you're a Doctor Who fan, or if you're at all interested in this kind of thing, I do want to... My pitch for Gallifrey One, though, is it is really small, as far as these things go. If you've ever been to these giant, like, Dallas fan-con kind of things where there's 20,000 people, it's not like this. They cap this around 3,000 people. We have the hotel... The entire hotel, all the panels and boardrooms. Um, it can be a little crowded in the halls sometimes, but there are food trucks, really nice people. Everything flows, and um, your your celebrity guests, the actors, the writers, the directors, are just out there with you, Norms, walking around and hanging out, and um, it's a really cool way to connect with other people who love the same stuff that you do. So that was my uh, shut-up-and-go-there go kind there. of pitch. <laughs> And um, if you're listening to us uh, for the first time, you can um, you subscribe to the podcast yep. on any of your favorite podcast apps. Find us on Facebook. Shut up, watch this. Um, find us on Instagram. Shut up, watch this. Um, our ribbon is floating around the convention. Yeah, literally floating around the convention. Is... Maybe da-
1: Dalek like?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> if, if latter days out, out, out like of the life. kindness of your heart, if you ever want to help <laughs> us along, go over to um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and leave us a quick star rating review. It helps other people find us. So thank you again for listening, and we hope to encounter you again soon with another forced viewing. Goodbye.
1: Bye.